Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. I love there being a, a vibe in the tribe. Good vibe. Maybe we need to preface that, but we know what we're talking about. And I, I, I just, I want that. We talked about the, you know, definition of honor, and we'll get into some of that today. But for me, an expression is so vital in the kingdom because everybody is expressing something, right? Everybody has, you can tell if somebody's usually, they wear it on their face. If they're sad, they're down, or if they're happy, you can feel that radiating off of them. If there's a person that's full of joy and just excited, you feel those things. And if we're there to represent, if we are image bearers of Yeshua, we've got to understand the responsibility to wake up in the morning and say, I choose joy. I count it all joy. I'm going to step into that and I'm going to have an expression of joy. Because it doesn't matter, like, if, if you have, uh, I guess, a xylophone, or what, what's the instrument that is like a bunch of tubes? Jerry, is that a, is that a xylophone? Everybody knows. We'll call it a xylophone. So um, anyways, there's different size tubes. There's different shapes or, you know, whatever else. But whenever you hit them, they absolutely do make a sound, right? They make a sound. It's all different. It expresses. It vibrates different. It has a higher pitch. It has a lower pitch. Everybody has an expression of the kingdom. And it might not look just like Benjamin or just like me or just like Eva or anybody else. But you have got to be able to say I am full of joy. I'm going to express that however it comes. And whenever I, whenever I have an opportunity to express that, ask Yahweh, ask Holy Spirit to break free some of these things in your heart that make you so bound up. We're so, you know, tight-knit and like, not tight-knit, tight, like closed off. It's really, it, like just naturally take your, your um, personality traits or anything else and just kind of put them to the side and just recognize like as people, as human beings, we're so like this about everything. It's so, always kind of testing the water out. I, don't, I mean, that'll be a little weird. We're so self like absorbed. We're so focused on what we look like and how, how this will impact what we, how people perceive us. We need to shift our thinking to say how do per people perceive him through us. It's, it's, such a, it's such a false, like, twisted, perverted way that we think. And the world is always trying to teach us that this is how perfection looks. This is how, this is how a, uh, a woman should look. This is how a man should look. And then let's blur those lines and confuse you a little more to where you can't say hardly man and you can't say woman. But we keep following those things. We, keep, we, we allow that to be our nature, and that's not our nature. Our nature is a f the fullness of expression. You think that Yeshua, whenever he was walking into crowds, whenever he was walking into situations, and Yahweh guided him to act one way that he clammed up and was like, oh, no, not right now. I'm, I've got too big of a crowd here. I don't want to embarrass myself. No, he said, I do what I see my father do. I say what I hear my father say, and that's how I gauge my success in life. And so I just want this people, this tribe, there to be a vibe in this tribe. And so that starts with people being here. I'm so thankful that you say yes and you come and you see the significance in a gathering. You know, this is not just the point. 
at all. This is not the point. This is, this is uh, a part of the whole, the, the at-home worship, the being with your children, the, the joy that you experience in your job or just your day, having him before you every single step of the day. That is, that's really the point. But what an amazing thing that he brought us together and he takes all those hearts and binds them together into this tribe. But because of that, when we are here, I feel like there should be a joy. There should be an expression. There should be something taking place. If for no other reason than when someone walks in here, maybe that is down and lowly. Someone walks in here that has never heard of this place. Someone walks in here and, and, just, and just happened to be led here by Holy Spirit. And they come in and they say, nope, this is like every other church. I see a lot of people pretending to be happy, but they're actually depressed. I see a lot of people faking it. Or they can walk into it and say, like I've heard many people say that have come into this room, into that little room, under that pole barn, all different places, they've said, the Lord is in this place. Literally the words that come out of their mouths, the Lord is in this place. That means the literal walls are so saturated with the expression that we have within us. That's huge. That's big. That is an amazing thing. And so let's not take for granted what we have and let's not take for granted the, the fact that we're living and we are breathing and we were called for such a time as this. It's amazing. And there should be an expression in that. Amen? Amen. I'm excited to see the measurable goodness of Yahweh started. And I'm, in fact, I told the, the group this morning, even, even because of that, I, I expect coming into this place, I'm anticipating a more full expression from like his presence being tangible in this place. I don't believe that there's, this is biblical. We are to give into things. We're to honor him. We're to trust him. We're to, we're to do and listen and obey and watch what he starts to do in our lives. And it's, it's going to be measurable. I think it already is. I think it's so cool that that came out of this people. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I'll never get done saying that. But I, I believe that this is what I see in this, in this whole thing. I might have said this before because I feel like I've felt this for a little while. To me, this situation is like the story of Nehemiah and the building of the walls of Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king, Artaxerxes of Persia. Impressed I remembered that, aren't you? But he was the cupbearer. He was the closest one to the king. One of the things that Nehemiah could not do is ever look like he was down and lowly. His job was to always be on. He had to always have a, a joy in his heart, and whatever the king wanted, he was there to provide. And, and he, was, he was the closest to the king, had his heart. Well, the walls of Jerusalem for over a century had been trying to be rebuilt after they escaped Babylon, the Babylonian system, and the Samaritans kept coming in and knocking down these walls. They'd get a little bit done, the Jews would get a little bit built, and then they'd come and destroy the walls, and they'd fight them, and they would just take everything they had, and they would gain one step and get brought back 20. And it was this constant battle that Nehemiah had no idea until his brother Hanani came to him and said, these walls are not getting rebuilt. We've been at it for about 70 years. We're constantly fighting. We're constantly striving. We're constantly trying to rebuild these walls. And Nehemiah escapes. He's so down about this. He escapes. And it says that he was gone in prayer and fasting for about like four months. And he, he goes and he, and he actually has a prayer that's, 
that, that includes himself talking about his sins against Yahweh, that, that as a people they have sinned, he, even though he hadn't, he put himself in that whole situation, included himself in, in, that, in that prayer, and he, he, uh, and he asked Yahweh for direction. He was very scared to go to the king, even though he knew the king had the ability to give him all the finances and resources to make this wall be rebuilt. And he goes to the king, and the king with Yahweh, let's say with Yahweh, Nehemiah goes to the king, and he, and he has this sorrowful heart. And the king looks at Nehemiah, and he says, why are you down? Now, Nehemiah can lose his life for this. You understand? That's how big of a deal. He cannot be down. The king recognizes and says, why are you down? But he had Holy Spirit. He had Yahweh's word to go to the king. And the king says, all right, we're going to rebuild these walls. And Nehemiah does with Ezra in 52 days what they couldn't do in 70 years. 52 days, he rebuilds these walls. But what happens is he gets basically protection on all sides in order to be able to get these Samaritans off of them and, and all these amazing wisdom-type ways that Yahweh makes these things happen, and they're able to just focus on rebuilding the walls. And it speaks to me in this situation because Nehemiah's name is Comforter. He's an unusual picture of Holy Spirit being inserted into an impossible situation. And that is exactly what I believe happened here. Not, listen to me, not so we can rebuild these buildings. Because to be completely honest with you, I don't even know what that's going to look like, if that's going to take place. I'm not expecting anything except for exactly what Yahweh is promising for this house to take place. And what we did is instead of sitting here striving and fighting and using the wrong tools, right, for 70 years, they're slinging swords instead of building. Right? For 70 years, they're more focused on the enemy that's attacking them than they are focused on what Holy Spirit, what Yahweh has told them to build. And then you insert Nehemiah, Holy Spirit, and favor and goodness and protection and covering starts to change your way of doing things, and you're able to do something supernaturally quick. And I know in my own life, in your own life, you got to look at yourself and say, what is it? that I've been striving to build, I've been fighting to build, I've been fighting to do, that if I would just allow surrender to take place and Holy Spirit to step in and you fully, fully trust him in, could be done probably just like that. Not, not a little bit. See, that's what, that's what happens. We want a little bit of control and a lot of bit of trust. But it's, I've said this before, the kingdom is all or nothing. Yahweh doesn't want partial things. He, and he is so faithful to define that honor, to say, here's, here's the standard. Here's what I want you to, to step into. And if you, if you do this, then you will, you're basically saying, I trust you and I can walk in this completely, fully. I'll insert myself into the situation. It started from days in the garden. Why on God's green earth, that was used correctly, would you put a tree that could destroy everything in a, the, the, the heaven on earth. Why? Why would you do something like that? Why would Yahweh do that? From day one, he wanted us to be able to choose him. From day one, he defined honor. He said, don't go to that tree. 
Just walk with me. I, I am everything. I am your source. I, I have everything that you need. It, there is nothing better than this. It will not, there's not grass that's greener on the other side. There is nothing just right over the bend. I am all in all everything you need in every single situation. And I want to define this level of honor where all you need to do is walk with me in the, in the cool of the day. That's it. That's all I want. But I want to give you the choice. Because I want you to show me that you want my heart too. So he defines honor from day one. He defined honor in Cain and Abel's day. First, not the, not the greatest, most lavish gift you can give. Even though that's good and you're wanting to give something good, he just said, I want your first and your best. I want, you, I want the first of your flock. That's what Abel was able to do that Cain was not. He defined honor and Cain fell short of that. Honor is such a huge deal in this time, in this day. And it's been, it's been defined by many people. In fact, I, I, in this house, Sandy Hathaway had an amazing, amazing revelation on honor, which she taught and she walked and she did great things in that. And so we have these, these, uh, this time of this is what honor is. We know what honor is. But I believe that what Yahweh is doing is he's giving us a different lens. I'm not sure exactly why the word honor has come into play right now. But that's the word that Yahweh has been speaking to me over and over again is honor, kavod, which is both glory and honor. If you're ever going to experience his goodness in a situation, if you're ever going to experience glory in a situation, there has got to be honor. It's why he puts leaders in our lives. It's why he asks us to listen and obey. It's because that is a gateway into his glory. You cannot have glory without honor. You cannot have honor without glory. There's no way you, for you to come into this place and honor the word that he gave me about Bryn and you come in and give into that and there not be glory that floods through that situation. Impossible. Because without glory, there's no honor. And without honor, there is no glory. So I have this, this thing about, about honor in, in my heart and, I, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm gone for the past couple weeks. And in that, I just asked Yahweh, I said, please give me what's next. I mean, I, I got it. Like honor, you know, defining honor. Where, where do you want me to go with this whole thing? What is it that you want? Why are you speaking this to me? I'm going to be in rest for the next couple weeks. I, I, want, I want to give room for you to just speak the next thing. And, and I, I kept hearing the word humility. <sighs> Why does he have to be so confusing sometimes? I kept hearing the word humility. And I was like, Yahweh, you know, I, I feel like, be real with you, I feel like I'm a pretty humble person in this situation. I don't have anything to lean back on. I, uh, I didn't prepare for this. I, didn't, I don't have a Bible background. I don't have uh, qualifications. I don't have any of those things, and I, and I say that a lot. I don't like to speak publicly. I'm not looking for the spotlight. I believe I am humble. And he said, no, you have the wrong definition of humility. You're convinced in your heart that that's who you are, and that's no longer true. Is there truth there? Yes, 
but it's no longer who you are because whenever I am inserted in that situation, it is illegal for you to go back to those things and constantly rehearse the fact that you're unqualified and that you don't have a Bible background because guess what? Holy Spirit has taken me through biblical school and I feel like I have a better understanding and a better wisdom in that than most people that have gone through this whole lifetime of scholarly learning in the Bible. Because Holy Spirit inserted into that situation when I had no other option has completely qualified and equipped me. And here's the thing. Humility is seeing yourself as Yahweh sees you. The end. And most of us walk around with pride and rebrand it as humility. You see, I found pride in the fact that I came from this. I found pride, I was able to get up here because if you'll listen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth always speaks. So let me put myself on blast up here and let you know that I completely put my heart out here every time I speak and every single time that I say to you, I'm not qualified, I, you know, I, I don't like to get up here, this is, not my, this is not my wheelhouse, I didn't have a Bible background, all of those things is what I'm convinced of in my heart. And I find pride in the fact that, but I'm up here doing this. You see, it's like politicians, they get up there and they say, I came from humble backgrounds. But really what they're saying is I'm full of pride because look at this, I came from that to this. And it's just a rebranding, calling it humility, but really walking in pride. And I think a lot of us, if we'll be honest with ourselves, say things, allow things to come out of our mouth that's actually full of pride and not humility. It's more humble for me to come up here and say, the tithe and offering is the most important thing for us to start with here. And if you're not giving, you're robbing from this house. And if you're sitting in my seats, then, you, then you are, you're missing the mark and you're just taking. Well, that's not humble. It is if you understand what you're called to. It is if I'm allowing Yahweh to let me step into the nature of what he called me to be. Doesn't mean that, uh, that a leader has to be this hard-nosed, mine, 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 no. But it, ha it means that the leader, a leader in your life, in, in your family, has got to be someone who is convinced that they are that leader is convinced of the weight and the, the honor and the glory that they carry into a situation. And if they don't, and I'm constantly rehearsing what I'm not, I'll never be who I'm supposed to be, fully. And so it seems like I'm being prideful, but I can tell you, you don't know in the background the begging and the fighting and the, and the talking to Eva and the, the difficulty that I have to go through, the dying process that I eventually go to to get to the place where I'm going to only only see myself how Yahweh sees me. When I don't want to be called Joseph, I'm going to be called Joseph. When it makes it awkward, it does not matter because ultimately I only do what I see my father do and I only say what I hear my father say. If that's not how we're walking and living, then how can we say that we are Christ followers, that we are image bearers, that we have Christ in, in, within us that is the hope of glory? It, it's, it's arrogance to say that we're anything less. And here's the crazy thing. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what the Bible tells us. The Bible also says that in the tongue is the power of life and death. Think about that. Process that, the cycle there. So if in my heart I am less than, 
I am not completely, there's things that were not qualified, and I'm constantly bringing that back up out of my heart. It's in my heart. I've allowed it to stay there, and I start to rehearse those things. I'm less than. I'm less than. Guess what I'm doing? I'm becoming less than. In the power of the tongue is life and death. In the, in, in the tongue is the power of life and death. You constantly are speaking death in your life because there's, there's death in your heart that you have not dealt with in your own secret place and letting Holy Spirit insert himself in that situation, guess what? You're gonna start to speak death and guess what you're gonna become? Less than and death. You're gonna become miserable. You're gonna come to church and not know why you're still miserable. You're gonna keep walking and striving and fighting and carrying a sword when you're meant to carry an ephod. You're meant to separate yourself from that situation. Let him make your heart clear. So you come out of this idea of pride. Stop saying this junk about yourself. David, you're no longer the days of Jeffrey and all the things. Doesn't mean, do you struggle with things? Are there things that you struggle? Yes, don't give them a place in here. There's a, I think it's Psalms 10.4 says that in his pride, a wicked man, let me get this right. In his pride, a wicked man does not seek God because in his mind, there is no place for God. There's no room for God. Pride is a killer of glory. It is a killer of honor. Pride is the thing that when I say stuff like my seats or I say stuff like I'm the leader here, when I say stuff like you're not giving like we should be giving, that he is saying tithe and offering is first and best and it is about honor and it's the only way that we're gonna keep, we're gonna, we're gonna open the floodgates into what Yahweh wants to happen here for you to sit there and I'm not saying any of you have done this, it's a good heart check though and it just gives you a little bit of an analogy here that if you sit there and go, Who's this kid think he is? This is a new age. This is a new day. And he's just going back to the old thing. And his chair? No. I give into this place. This is the church's chair. That's called pride in you. If Holy Spirit guided you to this place and he said, that man is going to be your leader, even if he's 10, 20, 30 years younger than you, even if he's your exact same age or he's just a little bit older than you, that is who you're going to walk and follow. It's the only way that this tribe is going. I'm going to give, put somebody as a set man in this place to be a gateway into the glory for the whole of the tribe. I am not your pastor in your house. You are. I'm not, you, you don't, I, I'm happy to give you advice. I'm happy to, if Holy Spirit has guided you to me, to give you advice, but you better have sought him first in your own life. You understand? This is how this new grid has to work. You in your own home, you teaching your kids the Bible, you rehearsing with your husband or your wife or, or just yourself, whatever situation you find yourself in, is building yourself up in your most holy faith through praying in tongues, by reading the word, by speaking life over your own situation, by defining honor for your kids. Isn't it funny how in... Uh, in the Ten Commandments, when they come on the scene, they're all about thou shall not. 
Everything shall not. You shall not make idols. You shall not murder. You shall not do all these things. You shall not, you know, covet another man's possession. All those things. But sandwiched in the middle of all those shall nots is one thing you should do. Honor your father and mother. Isn't that weird? In the whole of the Bible, there's nothing that commands you to love your father and your mother. You love yourself, commands you to love yourself. It commands you to love your neighbor, commands you to love God. Doesn't command you to love your mother and father, but it does command you to honor your mother and father. Why is that? It's because from day one, when you come into this world, Yahweh wants to give you an opportunity of a place to honor so that his glory can flood through. And what's the blessing in that? Long life. It's just a wild, wild thing sometimes the Bible is. But it's always true. It's always real. So he tells me humility. Let's read about humility. Proverbs 18, 12. Quick scripture. And this made all the sense in the world with, a, with what he said to me. He said, before destruction, you don't have to open your Bible. Oh, it's already up there. It says, before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. But before honor is humility. So if there's ever going to be honor, which we can interchange that with glory, if there's ever going to be glory in this situation, in this tribe, it is so vitally important that I step into a place of seeing myself as Yahweh sees me. If you're ever going to step into a place of being the lender and not the borrower, above and not beneath, the first and not the last, if you're ever going to step into a place of sonship, you have to have the perspective that first I've got to see myself how Yahweh sees me. Let me tell you why. Because a king has a different perspective on life than a pauper. A son has a different perspective on life than a slave. And if you are convinced that you are burdened, that things are tough, that you'll never get out of your financial situation, that you're sick, that, that you're confused, whatever that thing might be, see, that's one of the things the world does that's so bad for this generation is it lets people be okay with being confused. It's okay to not know who you are because we'll love you anyways. Instead of giving them some kind of assurance and know this is who you are. That before you were even here on this planet, Yahweh knew you. There was something within you. There was something he designed in you. There was something he put in you. There was a crown he put on your head. And he designed you to be great and to impact this culture. But if we, the enemy, can continue to convince you that you're less than and to let you keep rehearsing all this junk that is actually pride-filled, you'll never step into humility which precedes glory. So it seems like a simple, simple thing. But here's the difference between Pride and humility, which I think is a finer line than we give it credit for. They're two different things. Pride would be exalting where humility would be bowing, like in the natural sense of the word biblically. That's what it would look like. However, if you are in a place where you are 
like I said before, rebranding this pride as humility, you'll never see it for what it is. And really, let's break it down to the simplest thing ever. This is how you can test to see if you are in pride or in humility. And it's not even a test. It's just how you live your life. It's one scripture. Trust in the Lord completely and do not lean on your own understandings. And in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Put it right there in front of your life, in front of every single situation. Listen to this. Trust in the Lord completely. Humility. Trust in the Lord completely. Humility. Do not lean on your own understandings. Your own understandings of the world around you and your current financial health, relationship, whatever situation you're in, you leaning on your own understanding for that to make sense is going to put you in a place of pride because what is it doing? It's saying, I need a little bit of control. And it says to trust him, trust him, that means in every aspect. I've learned this the hard way so many times in my life that I fought for 70 years to rebuild something he wanted to do in 52 days. In my pride, in my own definition of what honor is, of how I was going to get this thing done, of the roadmap I made for myself, of my own understanding, I have fought this thing constantly in my life. And when I was able to just let go and surrender humility, bowing down and giving it to him and being honest about it, He's done supernaturally in my life through revelation light that I could never have done in my entire lifetime. Incredible things. Incredible things. But when we're not, when we are in pride, it dulls our senses. Because like I said, a, a king has a different perspective on life. When you, when you have a perspective of, of a son or of a king and not this common person or um, or slave mentality. This is not wrong to say. This is how he wants us to see because from that up here perspective, from, you know, Yeshua, every time he prayed, he looked up, he was always looking at the Father. You think when he saw the Father, he saw less than? Heck no, tech no. He saw goodness. He saw greatness. He saw the commander of angel armies. He saw everything he needed at his fingertips. He saw exactly who he was on this planet. And he tells us, greater works shall we do. He says that in us is Christ, and that is the hope of glory. That is perfection. But if I see things from less than, I will never, ever, 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 ever express the full glory I was meant to express. I won't sense things. I won't see things. I won't see Sam how I should see Sam. I wouldn't see Maya the way I should see Maya. I wouldn't talk to you the way that I need to talk to you. I wouldn't say the things because I'd be too timid because I didn't have Bible school. I, I, you, you would be too timid to invest in things that the Holy Spirit's showing you to invest that might be so creative and so offhand and so completely different than the world's doing it, but he's whispered to you in the middle of the night that this is where I want you to put some finance here. I want you to sow a little seed here. And if you have the perspective of, you know, but I, I don't know a lot about finance. I've, I've you know, every single time I try to, uh, to grow something, it fails. I feel like I live in constant credit card debt. I feel like I can't do these things. I, I feel like I feel like he's saying that was one day. I'm talking about today. I have called you, all of us, to be the lender and not the borrower. I didn't say it was possible. I said it was impossible. But with me, all things are possible. 
So step into the supernatural thing. Trust him completely. Do not lean on your own understandings and listen and obey and invest where he tells you to invest. It gives you a different perspective because you say, I'm not less than. I don't care if I have a financial background. I've got a Holy Spirit background and I know it's all covered. That's a king mentality. That's a son mentality. My boys know exactly the relationship they have with me. And where other people or other kids might see me one way, they see me as daddy. They know they have access to my heart. They know that I am always covering them and that I always am looking out for them so they can run around, do whatever they want to do, and be okay for the most part. And that is what I believe he is talking to us about in humility. The goal is that he wants his glory, he wants his honor to start to flood into this place, to flood into this county, to flood into our own lives. But if we're standing with our backs against what we're called to so we can fight off things that don't matter, we will always be less than. I'm going to read one more thing to you and then we will be finished. But this is, it's a little bit longer, so sorry. Um, you know this story, but I, I, this morning I came in here and this is what Yahweh spoke to me about this. Yahweh told me to read Matthew 13. This is a story. I'm not going to try to preach out of it. I'm going to read it to you. And I just want you to, to absorb it and understand that this is what I believe. I believe that this mentality of pride, that things that we don't deal with, it's really doling our senses, which we should be in it, like the expression of Yahweh in our own lives, the things in the air, the, the, the food we eat, the relationships we have, all of those things should innately testify that Yahweh is not only real, but he's alive in every single situation. That's actually biblical, and that's what the Bible says about how we were designed, that we were designed to sense him. Our senses were designed to be able to perceive him. Listen to this. Matthew 13, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. It says, Later that day, Jesus left the house and sat by the lake shore to teach the people. Soon there were so many people surrounding him that he had to teach sitting in a boat while the large crowd stood on the shore. He taught them many things by using stories, parables uh, that would illustrate spiritual truth, saying, Consider this. There was a farmer who went out to sow seeds. As he cast his seeds, some fell along the beaten path, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell onto gravel that had no topsoil. The seeds quickly shot up, but when the days grew hot, the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns and weeds. So when the seeds sprouted, so did the weeds, crowding out the good plants. But other seeds fell on good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded 30, some 60, and some even 100 times as much as he planted. If you're able to understand this, then you need to respond. And he read that part. That's awesome. No preaching. Then his disciples approached Jesus and asked, why do you always speak to people in these hard-to-understand parables? He explained, you've been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mystery, mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom, but they have not. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open heart, uh, open teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. 
That's why I teach the people using parables, because they think they're looking for truth. Yet, because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. That's why he's speaking to us in mysteries and giving us secrets, asking for trust, not for it to make sense, because he wants to know if we're actually looking for truth or if we're just seeking the things of the world. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message I speak. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. The eyes of their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged in our hard of hearing, and they have deliberately shut their eyes to truth. Remember, I'm talking about what it is to trust and to be humble allows us to actually perceive Yahweh. And the pride thing hardens those areas where we're actually supposed to be able to easily perceive him. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and hard of hearing, and they have deliberately shut their eyes to truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their hearts to hear and open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and let me instantly, say instantly, heal them. But your eyes are privileged, for they see, or your eyes are blessed, for they see. Delighted are your ears, for they are open to hear all things. Many prophets and godly people in times past yearn to see these days of miracles that you have been favored to see. I'd say that about us. Many prophets and godly people in times past yearn to see the things that we're stepping into today. They would have given everything to hear the revelation you've been favored to hear, yet they didn't get to see as much as a glimpse or even hear a whisper. Now you are ready to listen to the revelation of the parable of the sower and his seeds. The seed that fell on the beaten path represents the hearts of the one who hears the message of the kingdom realm but doesn't understand it. The adversary then comes and snatches away what was sown into his heart. The seed sown on gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experience remains shallow. Shortly after he hears it, troubles and persecutions come because of the kingdom message. We know that, that scripture well. Troubles and persecution comes because of the word. Then he quickly falls away, for the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. Evan, I've been saying this so much lately. When there are trials, when there are situations that come up, doesn't mean it's exciting. That's not fun at all. But what you can do is shift your perspective, count it all joy, and say, this testifies of the truth of the word that was given to me. And this surely, too, will pass. There's no way that this thing, this is just absolute evidence that he is exactly who he says he is and that what he spoke to me is truth. Seems a little off, but that's, that's what the Bible says. It comes because of the word. 22 says, the seed sown among weeds represents the person who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions, but all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and prevent him from bearing spiritual fruit. Oh my goodness. The seed sown among weeds represents the person who receives the message. 
Amen. We receive it. Amen. But all of life's busy distraction, his distractions, his divided heart, and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating, suffocating the kingdom message and prevent him from bearing spiritual fruit. Let me twist your thinking a little bit and shift your thinking in the idea of wealth. Because wealth, you can't say things like the lender and not the borrower, above and not beneath, and just sit in poor debt. The difference is we have the rich young ruler in the Bible where Yeshua says that you can't enter the kingdom because you're not willing to sell it all. That was his, what he told him to do. However, there are people in the Bible like Lazarus, like Martha and Mary, who were believed to be very, very, very wealthy, financing Yeshua's ministry. Great friends of him that he loved dearly and thought that they had the right hearts. So in one hand, there's a rich young ruler that's being told to sell it all. And on the other hand, there's these people that are being praised for how much they're doing. It's not about the wealth. It's about the heart. It always is about the heart. And he is calling us to be lenders and not borrowers, but he's not calling us to be obsessed with money. He's not calling us to try to find a way to, sh to, uh, to build wealth. Like, let him build the wealth in our lives. Let him give us mysteries and keys and secrets to, so that at the end of the day, there is honor and glory within the testimony, not pride. But I give glory to God. He's not an afterthought. He is the only thought. He should be the thing that guides us through every single situation. So let's read 22 one more time because it's so powerful. The seed sown among weeds represents the person who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart, and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom's message, the kingdom message, and prevents him from bearing spiritual fruit. As for the seed that fell upon good, rich soil, it represents the hearts of people who hear and fully embrace the message of heaven's kingdom realm. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as what was sown. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. Plain and simple. You ever want to hear what's in somebody's heart? Get them to talk to you. If you don't hear it the first time, continue to get them to talk. Eventually, the truth will absolutely, that's in their heart, come out. It will reveal itself. It's just something Yahweh put into motion. And the truth in that is that life, uh, the, the power of life and death is in, or the, the life and death is in the power of the tongue. Guard, guard, your, guard your speaking. Guard it. That, that, I mean, we learned that when we were little kids, but it's such a vital truth. Start to speak life into every single situation because what you're going to start to do is start to plant these things in your heart and more is just going to come out. There will be abundance. There will be things. You'll start to perceive the truths and the mysteries of Yahweh in your life, things that other people can't see because they're dull of hearing because they cannot perceive him. We are called to a higher place, a different perspective, kingship, sonship, not lowly, not knowing we're not enough, we're not qualified. It's important to know where you came from. It's important to understand that. But it's more and vitally important to speak who you are today and the Christ that's within you. So I, I ask you to stand this morning. Yahweh, allow us, allow us to plant deep in our hearts, not who we have been 
or who we've allowed the world to create or our situations or our circumstances create this false sense of humility in our hearts of who we are. But help us to rise up as roaring lions, as kings and priests in the earth, as sons and daughters of you, Yahweh, of, of sons and daughters of the commander of angel armies. Allow us to trust to a degree that we allow Holy Spirit, to step into every impossible situation and do in a moment what we couldn't do for years. Allow us to be lovers of your revelation light, that we not only receive and hear it, but we allow that word to be planted deep in our hearts so that the only thing that is expressed out of our mouths is you and more of you. I ask that you bless this people. Help us to be able to perceive the abundant riches and the abundant presence that comes out of this obedience we took in this word for, about Bryn. Thank you for the faithfulness of this people. Thank you for the faithfulness of our heart. Help us to continue to allow Holy Spirit to guide this ship, to be wind-powered and not let us have to grab onto the wheel and guide us, but you've got this, Yahweh. We trust you in everything that we do, in every situation in our lives, whether it be a health situation where this is an impossible thing, whether it be a relationship situation that is just has been a struggle for us, whether that be a financial thing, something with our kids, this nation, whatever it might be, sickness, the, the pandemic, frustration and all of that. Yahweh, help us to lay down that sword and start to perceive you in everything that we do. In every, every situation that we see, we see your goodness and your glory in this earth until your glory through us covers this earth like the waters cover the sea. We declare this in the nature and the name of Yeshua. Thank you. Amen. All right, guys, be blessed. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.